This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly from Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with Craig Patterson, who's the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider, to discuss this week's popular content on retail-insider.com. Thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. We're currently recording on October the 3rd, 2019, but we quickly wanted to acknowledge one of our advertisers, Oberfeld Snowcap, and we'll have a quick message from them later on in the podcast. But wowzer, it was a busy week for Retail Insider. The most read by far article is our Forever 21 shutting down as Canadian operations. So Craig, I think the announcement came out first thing this week and you had this article out so quickly and with so much research and information that... I don't think any other publication had that kind of information, like the impact to all the different landlords and such. So congratulations. But how was your week? I'm assuming you've run off your feet with all kinds of media interviews and requests. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I spent half the week on TV and radio because of this. So I think it just kind of shows how well-known Retail Insider is getting because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of media are reaching out to us who are, I guess, also media. But, you know. It's always great. Uh, it was kind of neat because it was Sunday evening. I was doing some work and uh, uh, Devin, who used to work for us, Devin Johnson, he's a great guy. He just sent over this New York Times article. Uh, he's like, oh my God. And I looked at it and then all of a sudden email, boom, I got a press release at the same time. You know, the Canadian division is closing. So I raced to write this thing and uh, get it out. And we had a uh, source set us some uh, information on, you know, who the landlords were, where the stores were, oh, yeah. the sizes, right? So. Um, I threw together a quick little analysis there. I won't say who it is or what it, where I got it from type of thing because I don't want them getting in trouble. But of course, of course. Yeah, basically we found out that just about 900,000 square feet of space is going to be coming up. Um, various landlords had all kinds of stores. And, uh, you know, this is uh, going to be a challenge because, you know, that's a lot yeah. of space to fill. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I just wanted to acknowledge again that just we had so much content in the Retail Insider article, especially with all that insight that you're able to bring from your sources for like the impact to all the different landlords and stuff. I think that most other retail um, reporting was literally just taking that original announcement and regurgitating it. So great job. Well, thank you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I was surprised at just how visceral the reactions were from pretty much all of our readers. And it was a very viral article. But is there any reason why people are having such a, a reaction to this? It wasn't the writing on the wall? I think so. I mean, I, to the average person, they probably didn't realize just how much Forever 21 was struggling in Canada or I guess around the world. I mean, there was a lot of press coverage and, you know, rumors and I mean, they probably weren't even just rumors that, you know, they were looking at filing for bankruptcy. But, uh, um, you know, the average person in the mall probably wouldn't have really thought about it. So I think yeah. that, you know, this may have shocked the average person. But, you know, for those that were kind of following it, we were just basically waiting for this. I didn't honestly think they were going to really just rip their operations out of Canada all of a sudden. I thought they do a restructuring, maybe close yeah. some unproductive stores. But most of them were losing money, apparently. I went over some court documents today and got some extra little bits of information. Well, and just speaking about those court documents, we were talking before the podcast, and I think there's about 2,000 people that are impacted, and you're getting all kinds of information on that from the court documents. But what's next for those folks? I mean, it's terrible whenever there are job losses, but what I thought was interesting is of those 200 jobs, were like 1,980-something, um, only 350 of those were salaried employees, and the rest were, you know, hourly workers. So, yes. like, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's acceptable for a retailer. I mean, uh, I'm sure maybe it's saving them money and whatnot, and you know, probably part-time people were working there, you know, in some cases, maybe students. But 
Um, what's really interesting is we actually have record low unemployment right now, and there are a lot of retailers out there uh, who are looking for employees. So, you know, it's terrible that there are these job losses. And I think that, you know, some people in management positions may have more trouble finding jobs. But, you know, people working on the sales floor could very well, you know, go to the store next door and maybe get hired. So um, this isn't probably as catastrophic as people think for employees. But, you know, it's still going to be challenging for some, unfortunately. And maybe some people actually liked working there, maybe. Well, and besides the people that are going to be displaced with this, um, there is a lot of square footage, I think 899,000 square feet of it, that's going to be suddenly left open for landlords. So yeah, like it's not as horrible as people being let go, but are those landlords going to get penalized or lose money or, or be able to recoup any of that for like broken leases and such? Yeah, you know, I mean, it really depends on the shopping center. I mean, almost all of these stores were within malls uh, or, you know, some sort of retail center. I think there was only one actually that wasn't, and it was in uh, Montreal at the corner of Mountain and St. Catherine. So, yeah, I mean, landlords are going to have to find a way to deal with this space. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if Forever 21 didn't pay any landlords in Canada rent in September. Uh, You know, somehow they're going to have to get this back. But, uh, you know, this is a tough time for landlords uh, in some cases because, you know, Sears and Target left Canada. And we've seen a few other store closers, you know, uh, you know, town shoes, we lost pay less. And that's that's just the footwear category. You know, um, we've lost, uh, you know, various retailers quite recently. And uh, uh, landlords have to fill this space. And some of those Forever 21 locations were quite large. I know. It just seems like a never ending story with all this extra square footage that suddenly comes available under bad circumstances like Target back when, when they exited or Sears Canada when they exited. But yeah, these poor landlords, we have some great articles on some of their ingenuity and creative thinking that's trying to fill this space, especially years later. But uh, yet another, you know, hit to them on that. But is it more Cadillac Fairview that's mostly hit with this? No. Oh, which one has been hit worst? Ivanhoe, Cam- according to the document I had, it was Ivanhoe Cambridge. So oh, okay. they had lots of stores and they had the most square footage. So, you know, nothing against them whatsoever. Actually, they were probably a good landlord for being so embracing. But uh uh, yeah, I mean, what are landlords going to do with Forever 21 leaving? I mean, some landlords and some shopping centers have waiting lists of retailers wanting to get in. So this is actually an opportunity for them to divide the space up and, you know, have multiple retailers or maybe one larger retailer. There aren't many of them left, but, you know, to be able to occupy the space, maybe at a higher rent. And uh, in some cases, you know, this is going to be a challenge. Uh, I think in some cases we're going to see, you know, some restaurants take part of these spaces. Uh, you know, landlords are devoting more of their space to, you know, food and beverage options. So, you know, I think that landlords will get creative with these spaces. Unfortunately, like I said, they're not as large as a department store for the most part. Uh, Another thing I thought was interesting, and it wasn't, you know, just me. I mean, I've spoken to some landlords and they were, you know, kind of giving the numbers for how how Forever 21 was doing sales-wise. And, you know, a few of them were doing under 3 million and there's even a good mall where it was doing, I think, under $2 million. And uh, that's not good. So, you know, I think landlords are um, looking to find some, you know, more productive retailers and put them into these spaces. I mean, the name of the game for a shopping center landlord is get the highest sales per square foot, because in some cases they may get a percentage of sales on top of a base rent. So, you know, you want to get your base rent, but if you've got like a retailer doing $50 million a year, you may be able to... uh, they're not they're few and far between by the way for a small store but uh, you know yeah. landlord could get rich off of uh, that type of uh, tenant fair enough 
But uh, just backing up for some of our listeners, like, and even for myself, two to three million dollars sounds like a lot of money that a store would be making. But um, you're kind of implying that that's like not enough, and obviously it wasn't, especially since they're shutting all the Canadian stores down. Uh, could you give us a little bit of insight for our listeners on what? like a, a reasonable amount of revenue would be needed in order to keep afloat instead of closing? Yeah, okay, well, so that's a good question because, uh, and firstly, um, I'm gonna use a crazy example and this wasn't, these weren't numbers coming from me, you know, the head of Shindico in Winnipeg was talking about what he'd heard in terms of the sales at CF Polo Park and that 37,000 square foot Forever 21 was doing somewhere between two and $3 million a year in sales. So that's mm. under, $100 a square foot. In some cases, landlords charge more than that per square foot in rent. So um, I've just completed the Retail Council Canada Shopping Centre study, or at least the numbers part of doing the analysis actually after this. And uh, um, so, you know, some of these shopping centres, for example, say do $1,000 a square foot. So if you had a 20,000 square foot Forever 21 store, and that's the average size, and there was, you know, meeting the expectations of that shopping center, you would expect $20 million a year in sales. So Ooh, that's where, that's right. <laughs> Two to 3 million is not great. Now, granted, yeah. larger stores like that don't usually perform, you know, maybe at $1,000 a square foot, unless their whole rent through, in which case they might do $2,000 a square foot, exactly. you know, luxury, <laughs> luxury and jewelry, you know, those two categories it's can different. do Yeah, they're definitely yeah. different. You know, fashion retailers, I was just looking at some ICSC numbers. I should have kept them up here, but I think fashion retailers is something like $504 a square foot or something, I think for, uh, yeah. and women's is like 600 something. So, but still they're much, much higher than what Forever 21 was doing per square foot for sure. Fair enough. But when is uh, it, when is Forever Twenty One going to be closing? That's one of the nebulous things, especially for me, not being in the retail world. I wasn't quite sure. Like, is that like now, or is it going to be decided by the court, or is it kind of unknown at the moment? It's kind of unknown. Um, my experience with bankruptcies is they're going to get the process going to clear the stores out fairly quickly. So um, I know in the case of I won't say it out loud, but another retailer that went bankrupt, you know, it was like the day after uh, you know the receiver was appointed. So I would expect. Uh, you know, what are we at this week here? I mean, some of the sales may be starting now or they may be starting, you know, very imminently and they're really going to have to clear out uh, some of those locations. But uh, I know that um, the Caro Boutet actually on LinkedIn posted a uh, photo from the Houston Galleria in the United oh. States, of course. And, uh, um, you know, they had a notice for them to vacate because they didn't pay their rent. And probably there were various notices like that across the yes. United States. And like I said, you know, I, I didn't specifically ask landlords about uh, but that type of situation. Not just out of respect. Out of respect. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't ask tons of questions all the time. Maybe I should, but, <clears throat> you know, in that case, you know, they're going to kick them out. So I think in terms of the bankruptcy, I mean, there'll be an opportunity for these retailers to clear out and, and you know, hopefully make some sort of amends. But uh, this is going to be a tough time. But again, in the United States, though, they are keeping some quite a few of the Forever 21 stores open. I mean, they're really going to be operating the chain now. Just I think they were in 40 countries and now they'll just be in. You know, United States, Mexico, and um, Latin America, and I don't know how many countries in Latin America they were in. Honestly, I didn't look. Yeah, fair. But one of the other questions that I had is, is it like head office that decides not to pay, or is it like a franchise situation where each location decides to pay or not pay, or... Yeah, so is it more of a nebulous across the board or corporate? It should be corporate. Yeah. I mean, there is a Canadian division, so yeah. that's different. But in the United States, really, this should be you know a 
corporate thing. They're not franchised individual, yeah. you know, family run, you know, franchises or anything like that. It's a family that owns it, but you know, they own the whole chain. Fair enough. It just seemed a little random that some of the reports that were coming up from like Houston and stuff versus Canada. So thought I'd ask. this happens. I mean, the Oro Gold uh, near where I live, I, there was a sign for not paying rent, and now they're open again. So it, you know, these things do happen. Hopefully, not too frequently. Yeah. Well, and when I was looking at the the LinkedIn photo of the Houston Galleria. <laughs> Um, the notice had just under like $150,000 that had to be paid in order to get their keys back. And that doesn't necessarily sound like it's like one month of rent that they just, whoops, forgot. So, well, you know, so I'm not quite sure. I mean, it is the Houston gallery. I don't know what their rent would be. I'm curious, but probably not that per Well, you never know. I don't yeah. know. I wonder if it was yeah. a nice rent for them. I'd have to do, I'd have to do some, you know what? It might've been like, no joke. Uh, I have to do some math, but yeah, I mean, I know a retailer, uh, I, I won't name any names again. That was paying like $45,000 a month for a small store. So, um, really? <laughs> maybe it is. When I just saw the photo of, you know, the demand of under $150,000 in order to get their keys back. And I was like, okay, is that like months and months and months of delinquency or, but to your point, it could have been just one month of rent for them. Cost it's cost a lot of money to be a good shopping center. That's for sure to have a store in there. Yeah, you betcha. You gotta. It's not like paying rent on an apartment. Fair. Well, now, another question that I had was, especially during this liquidation time frame, how's that going to impact Forever Twenty One's competitors? Good question. I mean, what are we early October? When yeah. does the Christmas shopping season start, or whatever holiday? Well, I think you know, it's already started. <laughs> well, maybe in Costco with the Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people start thinking about shopping. I know in the United States, you know, it, it starts later, you know, this month. Uh, you know, in Canada, I think we start around November. But, you know, some people are starting now. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I think that this might hit some retailers. Because, you know, if Forever 21 is deeply discounting stuff and if people actually want to buy it, um, you know, that could actually hit other, say, fashion retailers or, you know, retailers in whatever categories Forever 21 is carrying, including accessories. And I don't know if they even carry shoes. I mean, oh, no, yeah. they do for women. Yeah. For, for their, Forever 21's men's selection, honestly, was awful, no matter what store you were in. But, <laughs> oh. you know, the, the, the category for women was much more extensive. But again, I mean, you know, half of them, you know, they were knocking off other designers and doing it really badly. Oh. Uh, I, was, I walked in with my sister one time a couple of years ago, and I just thought, my God, there's, you know... A, Chloe, Celine, Saint Laurent, you know, Valentino Rockstud, and they just looked like bad knockoffs. I mean, you could, you know, go to Canal Street in New York and get far better looking stuff, you know, probably cheaper. So um, anyways, I don't know. I mean, Forever 21, it's not really a surprise that it went. I mean, it just, if you compared the product to say Zara or even H&M, um, you know, it, it was like a poor cousin. Oh, fair. Well, and the only reason why I was asking is that if they're having liquidation sales and it's 60 70 80 90 percent off of course like it, it, you know all the why would i go to one of their competitors to buy something even if it's something that i not necessarily exactly what i'm looking for if i'm only have to pay 10 percent of the ticket price as opposed to the full thing then why would i end up going elsewhere so i could see that being a disruptor for those poor competitors but you know what's going to happen now other retailers might start discounting just to try to combat this so that's yeah. going to hit those retailers but it's going to be good for the consumer looking for a bargain. So, Yay. yeah, well, I know. We'll wait sorry, and see. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I know. Sorry, employees lost their jobs. Sorry, landlords. Oh, oh, yes. But yeah, we're also consumers, and we'll see how that all goes. I'll, I'll watch out for some sales. I mean, I, I like a good sale. I think most people do. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I'm kind of embarrassed to ask is, 
Uh, I know I'm, I'm not the demographic for Forever 21, but what is fast fashion? Like I've heard it, but yeah. I am not entirely sure what that means. Yeah, good question. I've been asked that so many times this week. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's usually uh, something that's, you know, inexpensive. We don't say cheap in, you know, the marketing world. Um, you know, it's usually a product that's inexpensive. It's meant to be, you know, maybe worn a few times or maybe just once. Um, usually it's... Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like paper clothing or something well, <laughs> practically actually some of the uh, washi oh, paper stuff is probably better quality but um and also you know it's i mean it may be made overseas i mean actually most brands these are now you know are made overseas but uh, quite often these are inspired from runway designs and they'll like you know maybe be fast off the runway in some cases you know they've even been in the store sooner than the actual designer brands in terms of showing their uh, collections but um, you know, they're often, you know, inspired by what you might see on a runway for a more expensive brand and also, uh, uh, you know, inexpensive, made quickly, you know, shipped out quickly, you know, lots of shipments to stores potentially. So it's, uh, you know, speedy, speedy, fast and, you know, disposable, I guess you want to say, unfortunately. Wow. Well, I feel sorry for the environment on that one there. No reusing and that type of stuff. And we're wow. going to be doing a story. So we're going to be doing a story in Retail Insider. Probably next week, uh, Mario Tonaguzzi's on the case. And uh, it's actually anti-fast fashion. There's a bit of a movement towards something called slow fashion or, you know, something that's, you know, better quality. You know, you know where it's made. You know that the people making it, you know, were paid well and aren't in dangerous conditions like some factories in Bangladesh. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, and then I was on a radio show, interestingly enough, where people were calling in and they were, you know, younger and you know, in their 20s. And they were saying that they were very conscious of, you know, where clothing was made, how it was made and whatnot. And they were making these decisions based on that. And I thought, well, that's really, really interesting because, you know, this could signal a shift. But at the same time, you know, some people are just not going to honestly care and they're going to buy fast fashion. And I mean, sometimes I walk by Zara and I'm like, oh, I like that. And I'll pop it and buy it. So, you know, and I'm like, my God, I mean, I don't know who made it and what the conditions were like. And, you know, it's, it's human nature to get a bargain sometimes. So, you know, we'll see. Okay. Well, so backing up the bus, I have gone by Zara and I didn't realize it was fast fashion. So, so Zara's fast fashion. Yes. Oh, I, I would say so. Oh, and other than Zara and Forever 21, what are the other examples of fast fashion? Definitely H&M. Definitely. H&M. It's a great okay. example. I don't know if I would put uh, Old Navy in that category. It's not quite as maybe trend focused, but it's inexpensive stuff. And uh, I'm not aware of how they're made or whatever. And or, I mean, maybe that's half the problem right there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, would Le Chateau be in that category? I don't know if their price point would be in that category. I mean, uh, I couldn't speak to the quality so much. Honestly, I don't really go into the stores that often because. Oh, fair enough. But like when I was going to Le Chateau when I was in college and stuff like that, that would have been like early 2000s, I guess it would. I would totally be in there looking at the fabric. It was more polyester kind of stuff. But now what you're saying and then backing, looking at that in the past, I can totally see how they would be potentially like a cheaper clothing and looking at designers and trying to provide alternatives and stuff. But yeah, I think you're on the right path with La Chateau. So yeah, well, in Top Shop, I mean, that's not in the States anymore, but we have it through Hudson Bay. Maybe that's fast fashion. Um, it's probably considered that way. But the price point is a little bit higher than certainly Forever 21 or H&M, I think it is, but like not by a lot. And a quick word from our sponsor, Oberfeld Snowcap, for this week's podcast. They're founded 40 years ago and is a full-service real estate and retail advisory firm that focuses on retail tenant representation, strategic planning, property, and project leasing, as well as real estate investment sales. 
Thank you, Oberfeld Snowcap, for this week's support, and we'll look forward to working with you more. And one of the other other articles that were well-read with Retail Insider was Uniqlo opening up in Edmonton. Now, I think this is very significant, especially since it's the first Alberta store that's opening, but and also West Ed, because it's one of my favorite malls um, from my childhood growing up and stuff. But So congratulations to West Ed and the, the new Japanese yeah. store opening, eh? Definitely, yeah. Congratulations, West Edmonton Mall on Alberta's first Uniqlo store. <laughs> I think the deal was a long time in the making, and... Uh, you know, it's like I said, first in Alberta. It's also the first Uniqlo store in Canada to be outside of the greater Toronto and Vancouver markets. So, you know, Uniqlo came in, opened the first store in Canada in Toronto, or second store in Canada, and it was in Toronto. The first one was at CF Toronto Eaton Center, the second one a month later at Yorkdale. Then eventually they went into Vancouver, and, you know, now they've gone into Alberta. And, um, I mean, I'm not going to confirm anything, but, you know, Uniqlo has certainly had job postings in Montreal. Um, you know, some sources have told me that, you know, there was a lease signed. And, I mean, I won't go any further than that, but I would expect an imminent uh, announcement for a Uniqlo flagship store in Montreal. Well, and for me, I was just more seeing a Uniqlo as a big name that's popping up across Canada. So, like, as far as a strategy for landlords and malls, like, I mean, this seems like a good big win for their strategy to, you know, be relevant and bring in, like, the in-demand brands. So, yeah, so congratulations to West Ed, in my thought. Yeah, I'd say so. Congratulations, West Edmonton Mall, on getting Uniqlo's first Alberta store. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a deal a long time in the making, and uh, the store is about, uh, I think it's 15,000 square feet or so. Maybe it's 17, but I'm not sure if they're using the mezzanine, probably for storage. But um, they took over three uh, smaller retail spaces to open this Uniqlo store. So there were long lineups to get in there. So people are clearly excited. But very often when Uniqlo opens a store in a new market, there are long lineups. So and they give free stuff away and whatnot. And um, yeah, no, I, I mean, this is, you know, the first in Alberta. It's the first actual store in Canada outside of the Toronto and Vancouver markets. So, you know, Uniqlo uh, opened its first two stores in Canada in Toronto, eventually moved into Vancouver. Um, I think this is their 12th or 13th store in Canada. I think it's their 12th. Um, and, you know, Uniqlo is going to continue to expand in Canada. And, you know, without confirming anything, uh, you know, there have been job postings in the Montreal market for managers and whatnot for a Uniqlo store. And, you know, there's been chatter that, you know, a deal had been done to sign a lease. And, you know, I'll kind of leave it at that. I mean, you know, I'll let them make their announcement, but I, I suppose it would be imminent. So, uh, you know, and then from there, you know, uh, I'm sure Calgary will get a space. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the question is, you know, is there enough space for them? Well, maybe now. <laughs> yeah, well, especially with Forever 21 now exiting, like we were talking about earlier, it does make sense that they could continue on with the Uniqlo strategy of going on into all the other provinces across Canada. But I guess beyond that, with the square footage that's available, you now have 2,000 people soon to be yeah. like not employed anymore because of of the forever 21 situation but uh, yeah so what do you think about that space i'm gonna back up for a sec um so what's interesting about forever 21 spaces is uh you know the broker jeff berkowitz who is the broker for forever 21 is also the broker for uniqlo as a you know has a the mandate as a broker in canada so there may be an opportunity and again i'm only speculating and not saying anything disparaging of course to anyone it's probably complimentary but um, you know, there may be an opportunity for Uniqlo to open locations faster in Canada with the exit of Forever 21. And I do know some other landlords were talking about, you know, getting other retailers into uh, their spaces. Uh, 
um, where Forever 21 stores were. So, uh, you know, this could be an opportunity for Uniqlo to maybe open a few more stores. Uh, unfortunately, not Robson Street in Vancouver, because when that Forever 21 closed, uh, uh, it was earmarked for Indigo. I mean, not, I'm not saying it's unfortunate Indigo is there. It just means that there is actually no Uniqlo store in downtown Vancouver right now. And the, I heard they were, I mean, they were going to do a deal at one time, actually, um, just up the way next to Sephora. They were going to do, I think, a three-level store. And funny enough, I was discussing that with uh, someone very much in the know in 2014 when I lived in Vancouver. So uh, that did not happen. Um, they're excavating the site right now, and um, a retailer actually leased it and is now subleasing it. And I won't say who because it's one of our advertisers' clients, so <laughs> I won't say who the retailer that is. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that you know, the retail is certainly not dead in Canada, even though some retailers are closing. Well, and just one last thing on that closing retailer situation. Uh, I know that um, with Sears, there was uh, a lot of restrictions that were on landlords that are now lifted, that they can be more crafty and innovative and do a lot of other things. So I don't think that's the case with Forever 21, but still, at the end of the day, congratulations to Uniqlo, and hopefully they can benefit and continue merrily on with their expansion. But moving on... We do have another article that I want to talk about that was very well read with Retail Insider. It, it was uh, to do with Sunterra. And for me, I um, went to uh, college in Calgary and then I started working in the downtown. And next to my office building was the Sunterra in the TransCanada Pipeline building. And for me, I just thought that was the best like playground ever. And so for me, like I keep on hearing about all these new um, food courts and stuff like that or, or food halls and, and or innovative ways to deal with these large um, Sears and Target spaces. But um, I'm kind of confused at some points because Sunterra seems to be blazing the trail back in the 90s going into the 2000s with having this grocery kind of restaurant, grocerant kind of concepts down pat. Um, and when I was reading this article, I was very surprised to see how many stores have now blossomed in in Calgary and uh, going forward. So, you know, I was very pleased to see this article on the expansion. But how was it for you in Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I actually grew up. Well, I mean, that's where I should say in my you know young adult days with Sunterra as well. We used to go. There was one at the Commerce Place in downtown Edmonton. And when I was a young lawyer, we would sometimes eat there. So what's interesting is it's almost like. You know, we call these concepts grocerants where you can kind of eat in a grocery store and people are saying, you know, it's kind of this new trend. Well, Santerra has been doing it since the 90s. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not so foreign to someone from Edmonton and Calgary. I didn't actually know there were seven in Calgary, honestly, though. I've, I only knew of two of them. And uh, um, I, you know what? I gave a talk for um, I think it was like the Alberta Shopping Center Association or something. It was when I lived in Alberta and it was at this gorgeous 25,000 square foot Sunterra location in the Beltline in Calgary. And it's like, you know, looks nicer than Whole, like a lot nicer than Whole Foods. Like you don't need Whole Foods in Calgary. You've got Sunterra. And uh, what was really neat is they had like an event space upstairs and they did this catered thing. And I gave a talk in there about shopping centers. And uh, it was really neat. Like I think those stores are gorgeous. And, you know, again, you know, I was in Edmonton a little while ago and popped into the Sunterra Commerce Place, which unfortunately isn't super busy. It, not Sunterra specifically, but Commerce Place. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, people are getting excited for Eataly and uh, that will be opening in approximately a bit over a month. I won't say the date because I might not be permitted, but we're very excited for Eataly to be opening at the Manulife uh, Centre in Toronto. Well, and when I was in Toronto at, around the Eataly construction site there, it seems like it's a good neighbourhood and while well, the construction is well underway. So 
But when I was looking at Sunterra, it just seems so far ahead in that genre. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the articles were going to reveal if people are reading it that uh, Sunterra is opening in Red Deer, which is a city between Edmonton and Calgary, almost equidistant. I think it's slightly closer to Calgary, um, which I find is interesting because I think it's the first location outside of those greater two markets of Edmonton and Calgary. So will the people of Red Deer mm-hmm. embrace Sunterra? Probably. I mean, there's some people with money there. I don't, you know, Sunterra isn't really known for being cheap. I know in the article they said that they were bringing affordable, you know, fruits and vegetables, but. I always thought it was more expensive, but maybe because when I lived in Alberta and had a car, we were going to, you know, a superstore and that's cheaper. So, you know, living in, you know, for myself, downtown Toronto, um, you know, it's, it's different. So, you know, it is maybe a little more expensive, but you're saving money, not having to drive a car and you're not having to deal with the traffic and, you know, the headaches of all that, yeah. you know, suburban <laughs> shopping experiences. That well, many- and for me, I just found that growing up in Saskatchewan, I was very meat and potato kind of kid. So for me, seeing this kind of experience in Sunterra when I was then in the early 20s and seeing like on a (laughs) wheel in front of me, a savory crepe being created from scratch was mind blowing. So for me, just to have that experience in that, I don't know, cultural event, if I want to go that, you know, philosophical, like it's just great to see this, this kind of Alberta kind of company growing. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could go for one of those right now. Mm, Yeah. But is there any other like e-news that you wanted to bring up as well for this podcast? Yeah, I actually do. Um, so, you know, we just talked about Superstore. Um, you know, Loblaw stores, they have no name. You know, the, yes. the brand that's no name, which has no name, yep. but it's called yep. no name. It's like yellow with no name. It's their big like stick that it's like we have no name. Yeah, they've launched a marketing campaign. And I got to tell you, I really, really like it. Oh. I, I like laughing out loud like it. Um, I took the subway and uh, noticed all these ads everywhere in Toronto, that is. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, I'm just on their Twitter account right now. And (laughs) one of the things is they they put a photo of extra scented scoopable cat litter. And and the caption from No Name is eventually all litter is extra scented. I'm just like, oh my God. Marketing at its best. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm just looking through like the Twitter uh, for that, I think it might be just localized to Toronto because I haven't actually seen anything in Vancouver. Not that I've been like looking for it, but I'm assuming by your reaction and, and from what I've seen, like all this dry humor is looking pretty interesting just to make people laugh, especially on their way to work or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, because it, it's kind of deadpan, but it is funny. And it's it's something that yeah. I think, you know, it's funny. Sometimes as Canadians, we don't realize what's almost like iconic or something that we recognize. And it was something I know you know, when I've gone to the United States and come back, you know, like Tim Hortons, even though it's not really Canadian owned or Canadian tire, which is, you know, these are sort of these things that almost relate to being Canadian. And I think for so many people, yeah, you know, Canadian, one way or another, we're shopping, you know, at a Loblaw store at some point, uh, whatever that banner is. And no name products are often in those stores. And uh, so, you know, this really is a pretty iconic Canadian brand. And I didn't really think about it until this campaign came out. And you know, it's I think it's the marketing director um, behind uh, either No Name or Loblaw who's who's doing this. Brilliant. I mean, you know, it's funny because it's simplistic, but it's it's really witty. So, anyways, I don't know. Check out the No Name Twitter account. Uh, um, I think they're going to be doing some other advertising in other places for sure on the subways. I've seen it. I think they've actually painted some taxis and you know these very simple you know deadpan things. And it's just it's just funny. I don't know. I I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I needed a laugh this week after the whole Fruit Twenty One fiasco, and they're all they're both the same color too. <laughs> <laughs> 
what I also wanted to bring up on like news around the web, like it's not Canadian retail, but in, I think it was New Zealand and Auckland, ASICs accidentally <laughs> got hacked and there was hardcore porn playing on their promotional screens. Like that's got to be an oopsie. But I was reading this article and I could not believe myself and I could was, not stop laughing. Oh my God. I think it was in Auckland. Yeah. The store. And so the staff got in and you know, at, or, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine being the key holder in that store and there's porn playing on the big screens outside of this of your Since store 1 a.m oh my god like oh my god like you'd be sitting there like as a security guard or something like that since 1 a.m and you're like okay well you know they're not going to be coming until 10 a.m to open the store so they're stuck with watching porn until then <laughs> so it was just i could not stop laughing at this i don't know yeah i mean oh i'm just glad i wasn't a store manager or you know like <laughs> maybe i think i mean at least a6 got some attention but you know, probably not the best attention, but it wasn't their fault. I mean, someone went rogue and totally did that. And I mean, oh, that's just, you know, you got to be careful with your technology. Yes, <laughs> so. yeah. well, and I, and I, I think it was some kind of rogue or like a hack or something. Cause I don't think some gr- disgruntled employee came in at 1am and hit the play button and started doing that, you know? So yeah, you gotta just be careful, I guess, with it. But anyway, just wanted to share because I just thought it was, it's like, it's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I tweeted it yeah well and i don't think there's any other e-news that was kind of notable there so i will just kind of thank our listeners and start wrapping up here but i thank you very much craig for spending some time i know that's been very busy with this forever 21 um, news that happened at the beginning of the week so thank you for being able to talk about all of our articles that were fairly popular as well as some of the news and stuff from around the web so thank you craig yeah thank you so much yeah and i mean forever 21 just blew all the other articles out of the water sorry everybody i mean you know that, that just went viral so but thank you to all of our listeners for making it through this long on the podcast i appreciate your attention but please remember to hit subscribe to whichever podcast platform that you're listening to us on and rate us five stars if you can Uh, so thank you very much everyone and we'll let you get on with your day so thanks craig too thanks everyone have a great rest of the week